Man, I am really looking forward to interviewing Gail in Richmond today. It's been years since I've seen him. We've known each other for over 30 years. And really, the only reason is because we have the same name and grew up in central Maine, uh, many towns apart. But uh, he and I have known each other for a long time. I don't know very much about him other than he's involved heavily in the Portland music scene. So I'm really excited to get to learn more about what he does in Portland for the music scene and get a better understanding of his music. So you know, I kind of wanted to start it off, you know, kind of getting to know where you're from, but what was really interesting to me is that you and I met a long time, long time ago, ago. Yeah. skiing. I don't and know before if that. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that. Um, so I, I, I'll, I'll be honest, my memories of my childhood aren't mm -hmm. always the best. Sure. So I remember like vividly skiing with you at Sugarloaf mm -hmm. while our dads went hiking. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that day as well. Um, but we met the first time, um, it would have been like 1983 or 84. Holy cow. Um, in, in, in front of Ames in Skabegan. Uh, there's those two glass doors, like a double door situation. And I was there with my mom and you were there with your dad. And I had known that there was a kid that had my same name, and so they introduced us, and and I was I was irritated to find out that you were older than me, also, which meant you had the name first. And, oh man! <laughs> and so then you, you and you and your dad left, and, and I asked my mom, "Well, in, in a little while, I'm going to be older than him, right?" And she said, "No, it's not going to not going to happen that way." Uh, so I was pretty miffed for a while, but. I, just want to clear the air. We're, we're good now. I'm glad, man. I'm glad. No, that, that's interesting. So, 83 or 84. In 83, that would put me at five years old. Yeah, me too. Oh, okay. So, I'm just a little bit just older. Just a few months. Oh, wow. Yeah, your right. birthday, do you have like a... April? April birthday, yeah. Yeah, when were you born? October 78. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we're the same age. Yeah. Man, congratulations on your 40th birthday. Yeah. Thank you. Coming right up. Cheers to that. Yeah, so where were you born? I was born um, in Strong, Maine. There was a there. I don't think it's, no, it could still be there, but there was at the time a, a birthing center there, and a lot of the back of the landers, my folks were of that set, uh, had their kids there, and uh, so there's you know there's a handful of people right around our exact age, plus or minus a couple of years, that were born in this uh, oddball little house and strong. Wow, midwives. Yeah. Wow. Yep. So were you born at the birthing center, or okay? Sometimes I know home births and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I think they went there, and that's where the whole thing, uh, whole thing went. And did you grow up in Strong? No, I grew up in uh, East Madison and Skowhegan. Okay. Yeah. So I, I grew up in Waterville, yeah. as you know, not that yeah, far right from right. there. Uh, what I, What I kind of find interesting, uh, not only do we share a very uncommon name of Galen, yeah. but have similar last names. You totally. Know. And there was also that kid around town for a while, Galen Rich whose sister was also named Ariel. Which was really weird. Which was going to be my name if I was a girl, so... Oh, yeah, that. that's, that's right. Strange. I know, that's so strange. Like, I, I can't get over it. That yeah, kind like of parallels. Skip, you know, it <laughs> it really is. Oh, man. So, you know, you're really heavily involved in the music scene here in Portland. Um, you know, you do some very creative, very interesting music. I got a chance Thanks. to listen to some. Uh, but, you know, kind of going back to your childhood, mm -hmm. what got you into music, or what was your first musical memory? Um, the first music I remember, when I was really small, we didn't have electricity, like, we were that kind of hippie. Yeah. Uh, and so all of the, like, early music that I remember is my dad playing guitar. And I don't re have, like, a lot of clear memories of, of what those songs were, but there was this period when I was, like, 19 or 20, around the age when a certain type of dude gets, like, really into Dylan. And I remember like hearing all these Dylan songs, going, like, "Jesus, I know this one too. How would I know this?" And then kind of put it together that these were songs that my dad played when I was really little. So like a lot of Dylan and Leonard Cohen stuff that was instantly familiar the first time I heard it because it was like already in the basement there. You know. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. And so, you know, your dad grew up with you growing up played guitar. Mm -hmm. um, was that your first musical instrument? Or? No, um, saxophone. Was my first instrument and kind of went through the miserable process of playing in the school band with that. And then I picked up guitar. I think I was probably like thirteen or fourteen. Okay. And so, what what were some of like the first bands that you were really into, or who influenced you even early on? Uh, well, you know, I mean, the first first media that I owned uh, 
was a, a cassette dub of, uh, of a Weird Al album. Uh, That's awesome. So, yeah, Dare to be Stupid, that was like early stuff. Um, and as a little guy, I really loved the Beatles uh, a lot, a lot, and uh, the Beach Boys to a lesser degree. Um, and those were kind of like the early bands when I was kind of a little kid. Do you still listen to some of them now, I'm sure? Like yeah, I mean, I'll put on the B-side of Abbey Road uh, with some regularity, uh, and I, I think I definitely get more mileage out of the Beach Boys now than I did at the time. Like, as a little kid, I was all pumped up about like the surfing songs and the sort of like real candy pop ones. Yeah, but then you end up hearing some of their their other. Yeah, I like that sounds and smile and all that material is, you know, revered by everybody for obvious reasons. Uh, Man, after this, I'm gonna have to go back and start listening to Beach Boys. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just kind of getting into some of your musical inspirations yeah. now, uh, what, who would you say kind of are your inspirations now? Um, drive you? Yeah, uh, well, um, Archers of Loaf is an indie rock band from the 90s from Chapel Hill, uh, North Carolina. They've always loomed really large for me. Uh, Guided by Voices, as I was mentioning earlier, uh, they're a perennial favorite. Nobody writes melodies uh, as good or as prolifically as, as the guy from that band. Um, and then kind of in the other direction, uh, some of the early, uh, early Grindino stuff, when it was still poppy, into the uh, first, uh, first few ambient albums I like a lot. Nice. And so what, what do you like, um, let's see, kind of, kind of getting into today and where you are with, um, you know, the music that you, you write and compose? Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, what instruments do you like playing now? I, I know I kind of want to get into some of the more electronics mm -hmm. that you're doing, uh, or some of the pieces that you've done, but what do you like to play now, and what kind of influences um, right now, uh Right now, it's pretty much about guitar for me, and I'm focusing on, like, actually learning to play the guitar. I've played it forever, but I never, I never got any better after 1999. I got to a place where I could sort of stumble through a show and coasted on that for however many years it's been since then, I just recently started playing with guys that are a lot better than me uh, as players, so I've been trying to like catch up as, as best I can, so I've been practicing a lot. And, uh, so yeah, mostly focused on the guitar right now and songwriting. Yeah. Other instruments as well? Um, no, I mean, I'm still dabbling with the electronic stuff, uh, but that's uh, that's sort of uh, on the wane at the moment. Really? It's all on the wane? What, uh, what's kind of, why is that starting to... Um, I'm just... Uh, in a very lucky group of people right now with the band that I'm playing in and it's so exciting and yeah. I just want to like work on those songs and write those songs and uh, you know and, and get an album together and, and so forth and, and that's the current project that you're working yeah, on now yeah it's named Lemon Pitch Lemon Pitch that's fantastic yeah and so have you guys released anything or are you performing no uh, we're playing a lot um, I think our next thing is the 23rd of this month at Sun Tiki Studios, I believe. Oh, great. Where is uh, Sun Tiki? Sun Tiki is on Forest Avenue, uh, just past where the USM Library is. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, it's a newish venue, and they also uh, have practice space rentals there. Um, they're like hourly. It's, uh, they're doing a great job. Um, it used to be a tanning place. Yeah, it used to be a tanning place. Now that yeah. rings a bell when you describe yeah. the location. Yep. There used to be a tanning place in like a espresso bar or something like that. Yeah, yeah, so it is in tanning. Yeah, so they kept <laughs> the name Sun Tiki, but yeah. no, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So getting into kind of some of your electronic pieces, mm -hmm. uh, you're an electrical engineer. Mm -hmm. um, is that something that drove you to really work with a wide variety of you know bending circuits? Now, correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong on any of the terminology, sure. but you're using you know uh, gaming devices to be able to drive sound, sure. um, it, such as in computer C. Mm -hmm. um, you know what really inspired you there was that. The electrical engineer side of it, or uh, no? I, it's kind of kind of backwards from that. I had yeah. no uh, no real involvement or interest in electronics or technology, and then I was reading an article about circuit bending, which is uh, the practice of opening up um, old sound making equipment, either toys or shitty keyboards from the eighties or old drum machines, and intentionally short circuiting. Uh, the circuit in ways that produce sounds that weren't designed by the manufacturer. Huh. So I got interested in that, and I was gonna—I was looking on eBay, and I was going to buy—I uh, was going to buy a circuit bent speak and spell, and and then it occurred to me that I could probably just figure out how to do that. 
And so I, uh, I was really heavily into that for a lot of years. And uh, as you sort of fumble around with electronics for enough time, you, you'll have to start learning stuff. Um, and I got to a certain point where I felt like I had learned about as much as I had the discipline to learn on my own. Uh, and I was also at that time doing social work and getting kind of burnt out on that. Uh, so I, uh, I wound up going back to school for engineering. Uh, this would have been in like 2012 maybe, 2011. So really the love for music and the electronical piece drove you to yeah. kind of get into that yeah. electrical engineering. Yeah, piece. I mean it's definitely from fucking around with speaking spells that that's awesome. I wound up being an engineer. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> And so that, it, at least my understanding, has no real parallel to many other projects that you that have you done. Correct. Is that correct? Okay. Yeah. Um, with the computer at C, uh, you know, I initially, that project, I was, I was more interested at first in the machines and the systems of making the sounds. Um, and then, like, figuring out how to get them all to behave uh, as, as much as they would in a live setting. Uh, and I wanted to try to, like, develop a live electronic show that was really in the moment and, and like, live feeling. With, like, no, no pre-recorded tracks or, uh, or laptops. Um, I eventually softened up on that and allowed myself to, like, record a bass line and just made it easier. Um, and I did that for a long time. That was my main thing, um, and it was it was good because like there's never any negotiation about whether whether your band can play a show or not. If it's just you, you don't have to check anybody's schedule. You just say yes or no. Uh, and I really like that part. Uh, it was so slow. Ultimately, writing material with that because I was trying to have the material be guided by the instruments that I made and not use the same sounds uh, overly over the much if I could and like have each song built around a different centered around like a different piece of, of, of stuff that I made. Um, so yeah, I did that for a long time and then um, I uh, let's see what happens. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, mm, maybe 2014, 2013, I forget the year, uh, this band Parquet Courts put out just like the platonic idea for, for like post-punky guitar uh, stuff. And I heard that, I was like, oh shit, it's time to play guitar again and, and get a band going again. That's really cool. Yeah, and I just like got the, got a, got a beat in my bonnet about that. And like with the computer at sea stuff, it started getting a little less interesting to me towards the end because it's at the beginning it was like very weird and unknown quantity and I was just trying to figure out how to make it work and and my thought was like how, what kind of interesting mess can I make with this uh, and then I sort of slowly incorporated more and more songs that I wrote because I apparently just always need to be having an outlet for writing songs mm -hmm. um, and that pushed it sort of a little bit further away from the original impulse of, of doing something more novel and kind of drifted it slowly back towards conventional songs, uh, songwriting. And I, I, you know, I'm proud of those songs and I, I, really, I really am pleased with the, the record that came out of that. Uh, well, the whole album's great. Thanks. And yeah, really, yeah, like, thank you. Nick had shared it with me and said, you know, you might want to check this out. I listened to it three times over. Oh, that's just, great. Yeah, just really like not only just to kind of get a feel for it, but mm -hmm. what you're trying to accomplish, but yeah. really trying to understand, you know, the flow of the album from cool. beginning to end. Um, and it, it was it's really very impressive. And Thank you. Yeah, I was proud of that. Yeah, I would be too if I were you. Definitely. Um, you know, if, if it's all right with you, I mean, I know you you share it online, but maybe uh, you know at the end of this we can. You know, uh, we'll, we'll put we'll put a track in or part yeah. of the track or something like that, so people can listen to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, in in terms of you know your uh, you know musical aptitude, um, what other ventures do you see kind of going out in? Is it you know clearly you know you're in a I don't want to use the term conventional band, is, but yeah, no, I mean it's like an indie rock band. Yeah. Um, 
And that's, I mean, that's ultimately what I want to do, uh, is uh, just write and release material. Uh, I realized that I've never been in a band that put out a second album. So I really want to, that's like kind of my number one goal with, uh, with this band right now. So I'm trying to push to get us all on the same page to get something recorded next month. And so then we can get the next 12 songs, uh, you know, and, uh, and have a second album. So Lemon Pitch has put out one album no. already. Oh, okay. No, oh, right. You told me that. A, yeah. We have about, we have a, a pretty, pretty good album's worth of, of material ready to go uh, that we're going to be recording soon. And then we've got about half as much again of stuff that's still in development. Um, and it's come really fast with this thing. I mean, we only started in like mid late February. Oh, wow. And so we have like. Six months into it. Yeah. Five months. Yeah, we have like 10, uh, 10 or 11 like show ready songs and then another five coming down, the, uh, coming down the line right now. Wow. And that's partly because we have three songwriters, you know, me and uh, Brock Kinther and Alex Merrill. Um, Brock played in uh, a band around town, Midwestern Medicine, that was really fantastic. And then he had a band from Boston uh, called King Pedestrian. And you should all just stop what you're doing and listen to the King Pedestrian album on Bandcamp. It's so good. Like it's, King it's Pedestrian. Good. Yeah, King Pedestrian. And Alex was in Cuss, who I didn't get to see because I was in school pretty heavy at that time. And he had been recently at Thur and Safe Word, and he's a, a real. Uh, Real vet of the of the local scene, and uh, a great bass player, um, just a, a treat to play with. And then Cormac who plays drums. He plays uh, right now in Fon Fon Rue, and they've got an album coming out that sounds fantastic. Uh, he's a guitar player in Fon Fon Rue. Plays drums with us, and uh, with those with those three other guys. Uh, we all have more or less the same record collection, you know, in our heads and in our homes. Uh, and so it's very easy to to communicate what we're trying to do, you know? You kind of speak the language yeah, already. Totally. Yeah. And so how many different uh, bands have you been in over the course of your lifetime, I'm sure? Oh, yeah. I don't know, a lot. Yeah. Um, my first, first, like, serious band started in 1999, uh, we were called The Giant Robot, and then we found out there's another band that had that name, so we changed the spacing, uh, so it was Adrian Trobot. Uh, we put out an album, and that was with uh, my friend Barry, who, uh, this guy Barry Sawicki, he and I wrote the songs together. And uh, I'm sure we were god-awful when we started out. We were playing shows definitely before we should have been in anybody's ears. You know? uh, <laughs> But I think I think we developed into a pretty a pretty good band, and, and I still like the the record that we put out in two thousand and three. And then he wound up moving away, and that was so that was my first like serious band. So that was like my first serious breakup in a band, which is I assure you like as can be as heartbreaking as any other kind of breakup. Like really, really. Oh man, yeah, I was wrecked, uh, and I didn't I didn't play in any bands for a few years. I thought that like I thought that I only had it with him, like I thought that he was, this guy Barry was the, the only connector part right. that I could like get songs out through and, and could be in a band. So for a couple of years I mainly booked shows uh, and then after that I had a band called The Enchantments uh, where I kind of like got my shit together I was like, oh no, I can, I can keep doing this, just find more people I like and play with them. And that was really great. It was a uh, Ian Page was in that band, and Nick Barker, and John Donnell, uh, Dory Hart for a spell, and, and Isaac Turner, and that was, uh, we never recorded, well we recorded some stuff, but we never put anything out, um, and that was kind of a big one, I had uh, another band called Same Basic Bear with the same drummer for that, and it's got Chris Emery, we were around for a few years, again, never put anything out, um, and then but you were performing around yeah. the, lo yeah. the Portland scene? Yep. Okay. Yep. And I, I've mostly played around Portland. Uh, my first bands, uh, we toured a little bit. Uh, we, we went way too far south. We toured around Chapel Hill because uh, we were stoked about Chapel Hill because uh, so many great bands came out of Chapel Hill in the 90s and so we wanted to go and play there. It's like too, it's, it's a stupid way to do it. It's too far from home. Well, we're going to go back there again like, <laughs> the next season. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, uh, and so then those are kind of the big ones, and then I had the, my like getting back to playing a rock and roll band was called Valuables. That one's kind of on hold right now. Well, Chris, the guitar player, uh, is out traveling around. Uh, 
he quit his job and put all his stuff in storage, got rid of his apartment, and uh, and just went down to a meditation place in Santa Fe, and he's wow. like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll probably be back in December. Wow. So, and when did he leave? Um, the beginning of June. Wow. Yeah. And so I was super happy for him. He's sort of like a cautious guy natively, and it's such a, such like a dramatic thing to do. Um, yeah, and then at computer see that's just me. Yeah. And then I'm going to finish this one. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And so, uh, in, in terms of the kind of transition into like the Portland music mm -hmm. scene itself, um, you know, w when did you move down to Portland? Uh, 1998. Oh, wow. So we moved down probably right around the same time. I think I moved down it, when I was in high school mm -hmm. in, in 94, but I didn't officially like live in Portland because I went to a boarding school yeah. um, in, in, until 96. So you were here like early on while Portland was still kind of this in weird transformation process. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like, it was halfway there, you know, yeah. in, the, in the late 90s, but there were definitely odd little junk stores uh, on, on Congress Street and like the bottom of Munja Hill was like, yeah. just all hole-in-the-wall stores yeah. full of stuff stacked to the ceiling, like there's the Veterans Thrift Shop and, and like two other very similar ones. I remember I went into one, uh, one of those junk stores and there was nobody there, but there was an ashtray with a, a smoldering Jack cigarette. Uh, and I found some, some VHS recordings someone had taken off TV of the, uh, I thought it was the sci-fi uh, channel uh, miniseries of Dune, which had just come out, so I was pretty stoked to see that. So I left a couple bucks under the ashtray and took the bills. It turned out it was a, a much shittier version, but it's neither here nor there. Yeah, you were honest enough to be like, yeah. hey, here's a few bucks. <laughs> I mean, did he even have a price tag on it? No, but it was like two dubbed off TV VHSs and it couldn't have been like... Sure, yeah, probably over <laughs> like two bucks was, yeah, a little yeah. generous. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was very different and certainly like the amount of, the amount of like visible wealth in the city was really different. And, uh, you know, it was, yeah, I guess everyone complains about the same stuff about how it is now versus how it was. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, at least from my perspective, it's changing for the better in, in, in some regards. I mm -hmm. mean, it's bringing more people here that are seeing more talent. Uh, I mean, Portland was mm -hmm. just recognized, you know, by Bon Appetit magazine as well. Yeah, yeah, and I wish they would look away. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I see what you mean. Just like it's, keep it's, it yeah, bringing yeah. people in, but it's also pricing out a lot of the people from the scene that I started up in, you know? Oh, really? Sort of living, uh, cost of living, yeah. those sorts of yeah. things, yeah. Yeah, and so in, in, in terms of the music scene, has yeah. that, that grown itself? I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, every it seemed like for a while, every year, someone was like, "Well, this is the year that some some band is going to make it big," and and, and it, ultimately, no one really did, and I think that's uh, been a good thing. Uh, and there have been, you know, there have been runs of two or three really fantastic years, and then some some sort of fallow times, and then it's it's very cyclical. Uh, there are, I think, on the balance, more bands now than there were, uh, well, definitely than there were in like the beginning of the 2000s and the 90s. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I've always been like pretty impressed with the level of, of quality of, of the bands. There's, at any given time, there's usually two or three bands that I'm very excited to, to go see. Oh, that's great. And, and what venues do you like to venture out to? Or I should mm -hmm. say, We'll break this up into two parts. One of them is, um, what venues do you like to go and watch live music at? Um, you know, I dig, uh, like I was saying, Santiki, I think is great. Um, I, uh, you know, I love the Ophodian. Um, and, you know, the bowling alley has much better sound than you would expect. Um, uh, Bayside? Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, those are kind of the three places that I, I most prefer right now. Is it, is it really the... the the audio quality or the... Uh, no. Okay, uh, what, no. What, what, what really drives it for you? What what makes it like a really great space for you um, to music in? Well, you know, I think part of it is the people running the space. Like, for instance, at the Ephodian, uh, Pat Corrigan and Jeremy Robinson and, uh, and everybody there, like Jamie, um, just do such a good job and are, are like an important part of the scene and have been for many, many years and and you're coming at it, it seems like, from a really genuine place and just like want to make a space to have shows and have things happen. And, uh, and yeah, it just feels good, in, you know, in that room. 
in terms of performing mm -hmm. at a, a venue in the Portland or Portland area for that matter, uh, what what venues do you like to perform most at, yeah. um, and, and what really makes those venues great? Um, well, I've played a couple of times at Santiki, and that's been a lot of fun. Uh, in, you know, it's air conditioned, which has been a huge plus this summer. Oh, this year has been brutal. And and I think I mentioned the sound is really good there, and um, you know, I love playing at the Apodian. Uh, I mean, right now, it's mostly those three venues for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, there are a lot of, you know, like there are lots of other venues, but you know, like the uh, Portland House of Music and Events sounds great. It's a nice room. They don't really. It's like not for. It's not for me. You know, they don't book the bands that I that are important to me. Um, so I seldom wind up going there. Um, you know what? I like to I like to see shows at Space. That doesn't seem like they have a lot of them uh, these days. I used to play there a lot, a lot. A lot of local yeah. bands. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, in in the past, like in the mid two thousands. Uh, they picked up a lot of the overflow from the skinny, which was the best venue of all time. Uh, Dearly Miss Forever, uh, that was the best room. We were talking about the skinny the other yeah. day, um, and the history of that place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah and that when you and I first moved to the Portland area, that was... Uh, yeah, porn theater. It was a porn theater. Yeah. Like Pee Wee Herman style, yeah. you know, like, um, yeah. And, and there's this oddball, like, in-between time when it was phasing out of, it had been sold. Sold Will Horn, yeah. uh, and there was some some adventurous soul who was starting booking shows there, and and so they still had like racks of, of porn DVDs that they were trying to like liquidate at really low cost, but meanwhile they were having shows. I remember seeing uh, Cerebus Shoal perform there with uh, the Infectable and just like really being blown away by both acts so different and, and like the weirdness of that space and the juxtaposition of like the still really pretty visible sleeves. Yeah. Were the chairs still there? Uh, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, in, yeah. In I can't remember because there were two there were two rooms in there. There were. Yeah, yeah. it was in, you walk in yeah. and then it splits into two yeah. rooms. There's a wall right down the middle. And I remember seeing Cerebus Shoal in the left room and there were definitely chairs then, so it stands to reason in the right room there were probably chairs. Probably were. One of my first experiences in that building itself was going to, uh, you know, back in the like uh, late '90s, people were throwing raves. Yeah. I was less involved or interested in the music and more interested in kind of the the party. Sure. You know, let's drop a lot of acid scene. Yeah. And uh, yeah, someone threw a rave there, and I think it was still fresh from the porn theater scene. And it was a little strange, mm. um, and, yeah. but yeah, it was, it was definitely divided <laughs> into two rooms, all the chairs and everything, yeah. and people were just dancing up and down the aisles. It was, it was pretty nuts, but now it's cleared out. It's, it's definitely a very established music venue, mm. um, but the, yeah, the Skinny really was, a, a, I think, a kind of defining moment for that building. Um, oh yeah, and yeah, I think for the part of the music scene that's always been like really valuable to me, that was, that was where it happened. Did you know anyone that ran the skinny or? The yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, John Lamba um, did a great job with that place, and uh, I don't think he's he's up, he's got a place up in the mid coast now. I was going to ask if they're yeah. still yeah. around. And he's got a restaurant now. Oh, okay. He was out uh, out west for a lot of years, um, yeah. and I think he originally had a venue on the west coast before he came out here. Yeah. So getting back to like venues that mm -hmm. you perform at and gigs and things like that, do you have any rituals that you like to perform? Ahead of time, I mean that. No, not really. Um, no, I usually forget to have any food and then have to scramble around to get something uh, at the end of the night. But uh, no, I mean I've, I've played a lot of shows, uh, and so I'm pretty comfortable with it. It feels very normal yeah. to you know just walk in and set up. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so, like, tell me about some of the favorite gigs that you've had. It, in the Portland yeah, scene. um, they're at the, uh, not favorite, but certainly one that I remember really well, uh, was at the old Geno's when it was downstairs on Brown Street. Oh, yeah. Um, it was a sketchy door with, like, yeah. a knock on to get in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was, like, it was, you know, medium gross down there. Uh, someone, this woman who was working at MPG had booked this show, 
and had really talked it up to uh, to to the bar. And it's like this is gonna be a big thing, and we're gonna do all this stuff. And then didn't wind up doing any promoting. I didn't do very much promoting, uh, and so no one came. And so like it, it was there was like sort of a sour vibe to begin with. And um, and Scott Spear, I didn't have to roll. Maybe he says it. Yeah, I've actually only seen it in print. I've seen it a bunch of times. But um, he did a piece where he was kind of like bagging on uh, on alcoholics, and it, the only people there were like lifers at, at the old Geno's, you know, and he made a big mess of popcorn, and it was like a, I mean, it was a great, it was a great performance, and, and I was like, I was thrilled and horrified uh, as it was happening, and, and then, then we played just the most terrible train wreck of a set, and afterwards, we had, we had a bunch of, we had almost a whole summer's worth of, like, shows booked there, and afterwards, the, uh, the woman, Barb, who's often behind the bar there, was like, Oh, hon, I just can't have you here. Just can't have you here again. <laughs> Might be bad for business. Yeah, or something totally. like that. <laughs> Alcohol sales yeah. are going to go down. So we didn't we we didn't uh, play there for a while. That band we also actually got uh, got briefly banned from the Skinny too because uh, the owner's favorite band, Idaho, was playing, and I was I was there uh, just kind of starting to court uh, my current partner Tanya and. And I was showing off, and she was feeding beers, and so I was drunk as hell. And I, I just heckled the living shit out of this band. That's awesome. And and Johnny kept coming over and being like, "You gotta stop it, dude!" Getting like more and more angry. And eventually, like, I, I had to apologize to the band, and they were like, "It's okay, you know, we deserve it, but we really shouldn't talk about our mothers." Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so we couldn't play there for a little while, but then that that blew over pretty quickly. Sheepishly went in a couple of months later, and John gave me a poster from the show, and oh, that's cool. Yeah, it all smoothed over, yeah. I'm sure, you know. But everyone knows, I mean, we've all had those times when, you know, drinking a bit much yeah. and uh, able to easily shoot off some things that hit right to the heart. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you're in Lemon Pitch now. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that you have some uh, shows coming up. Yeah. Um, can we go over those again? So uh, Yeah, uh, the only one that is like super definitive right now is August 23rd at Sun Tiki with KG Freeze. Um, and uh, touring band, I think. I wasn't familiar with the other bands. Uh, and and then a bunch of like, might happen for One Degrees shows. So that's the only one that's like, Really nailed down right now, but I expect we'll have a have a bunch coming up. We did a run of like like four shows in eight days in the beginning of July. Oh wow! Just a little too much, and so we're, we took a breather for a second. It's the end of June, beginning of July. Yeah. Uh, and now we're just doing the book stuff again. So, if someone shows up to to see you guys. What what would they expect? What kind of you know music or what what's the feel? Um. Not of the uh, of the venue, but more of your music itself. Well, it's like we're, we're, we're drawing pretty squarely from the real classic indie rock canon. Um, and uh, like I said, there's three songwriters, and, uh, and so I feel like we have a pretty wide range of, of songs and sounds. Um, but one of the real delights of playing with these guys is uh, uh, they're, they're both really fine lyricists as well as good musicians and and that's always been super important to me is is lyrics and it takes me a long time to write stuff uh on account of that it's like oftentimes songs that i just love stone cold favorite songs ever i'll, I'll learn to play and be like god these are stupid lyrics like oh, really? you know, coming out of my mouth I'm like that's kind of so you love, song, you love yeah. the lyrics yeah. when you're writing them you love how they they sound when you're when you're reading them on paper, but then you start performing. Oh no 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 oh, no! Okay. I mean, uh, I was I was referring to like a a, a song that's a favorite of mine from from like Guided by Voices or any other band. Oh okay. And, and I'll I'll want to learn to play the song and I'll start to play like oh yeah these lyrics are kind of dumb aren't they? I see what you're uh, saying. And, yes. And I, I don't love the song any less, but like I I don't feel able to like with the songs that I write like. Let let myself relax on the lyrical content, and the guys that I'm playing with don't either. And so I think that 
I think that there's some really strong material because of that. We're both really verbal, smart guys, and so I have very verbal, smart lyrics, which is something that I really prize. I understand. So you really become hyper-aware of the, the lyrical content. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think oftentimes it's, it's hard to really know, for me at least, to know a song until I play it and, and, and sing it with my own mouth. Like, uh, I, uh, one of my medium favorite records is the first Elvis Costello album, My Aim Is True. And I was playing that around the house a lot for, for a while. It was like real heavy rotation. Yeah. And eventually my partner told me, I was like, God, this guy's an asshole. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? I'm just like, yeah, he seems like kind of a misogynist asshole. And, and I, I was like, oh, I just gotta disagree. And then I started to learn to play some of those songs. And when I heard the words coming out of my mouth, it's like, wow, this guy is an asshole. What a dick. Yeah. But I mean, you know, you can't. He was 19 years old and he was kind of an asshole. And sure. Sure. Yeah, definitely very uh, yeah. strong headed. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like, yeah, and you know, it's, it's interesting, I mean, we've all heard that bullshit that's out there, you know, especially radio, I mean, I don't know the radio, but I mean, you hear like the pop music, and like, man, these lyrics are fucking horrible. Mm. Um, and people, I think, in, at least in my you know, lack of experience with music, but at least I can see that there are people that just throw lyrics in there just to fit the music, mm. as opposed to really thinking about the content itself. It sounds like you guys are really thinking about every aspect of the musical piece. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately that I'm not very good at, though I think that Alex might play with is, is a real ace at, is uh, within the lyrical content, knowing where to have sharp consonants, like where in the phrase those go, because there's a way you can you can make a line like really propulsive and and have a lot of energy just by having the right like you know the right sort of hard stop sounds sure in there and so that's the thing I've been thinking about a lot lately I don't know how to do it yeah like I don't know how to change the way I'm doing it but I would like to to learn a little more about that and I don't think like he's planning it out. I know he's not like planning it out on a graph paper or whatever, just his natural speaking pattern and his songwriting pattern uh, is very, very good at that. Hitting the timing. Yeah, or like uh, it, it, placing the words, placing the right kind of words in the right spot. Right. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, especially when dealing with, you know, uh, something where you're really trying to have a full round sound of you know instruments with you know strong lyrics behind it yeah. it can't just sloppily be thrown in there yep. as just kind of like a some sort of condiment on top yeah, it yeah. has to really be part of the, the the sound itself super agree yeah that's really interesting and having really you know i mentioned to this to you early on that i i love music I don't go out and see it. Mm -hmm. It's not because I don't want to. It's just because I don't know what to go out for. Sure. I don't know if I'm going to like it or not. And so, you know, it's really interesting speaking with someone that has such a strong knowledge of music and the music scene here in Portland and trying to get your take on what it is that really makes a good sound or a good band. Well, I mean, it's so subjective. This is just what I'm into. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's that's fair. Right. Like. Yeah. Right. So there's so much diversity out there that some yeah. people aren't going to be into it. Yeah. And there's a lot of like really staggeringly well-made songs and bands that just for whatever reason don't hit it for me. Yeah. You know. And we've got a we've got a varied enough music scene that there are all sorts of different uh, you know different types of stuff and uh, people really at the top of their game kind of in a lot of different. Uh, different niches. So you mentioned like one of your goals for Lemon Pitch is to put out the first album. It sounds like you're, you know, close to recording that mm -hmm. album. Um, what beyond that do you see? Have, have you planned a future how, or, or how does it go in terms of setting goals for a band like that? Uh, you know, I don't really have a lot of them. Uh, I just want to keep playing. Uh, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I was like, yeah, I'm definitely gonna, I'm definitely gonna do this and get famous, and, and if I don't get famous by the time I'm 27, I'm out, you know? <laughs> and then I got to put some the bullshit idea. Uh, you know, and as the longer I do it, the more I realize that like, I don't want to have it be a job, I don't want to like go on tour for 
most of the year and, and, and have that life. I would love it if people like if more people like heard my stuff and, and it resonated with them, but ultimately I'm gonna do it anyways. Um, so it would be a bonus if like this band or the next band or, or whoever put out uh, put out an album that people like really gravitated towards and listened to it a lot and it was part of people's lives, that would be great, but that's pretty secondary. Uh, for me, uh, yeah, I could, I, that, it's great. At least that you know, tells me that you, I mean, that clearly you have such a passion for music that it really is, regardless of the outcome, that it's it's the passion that drives you to keep performing. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I in other other bands uh, resonates for me. Mm -hmm. um, is that what drives you to perform? Um, I don't know. Uh, maybe, I guess, like, you know, I keep making songs, uh, and I do like to, like, have them out in the world a bit, uh, but I also, I just love playing a show, it's just a kind of fun, it's one of my favorite things. So getting into s some other bands that, you know, are in the local Portland mm -hmm. scene, um, you, you mentioned a few that you really like, um, you know, maybe we can kind of go into a little more depth on some of those, like, uh, you know, who are they, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, my absolute favorite local band right now is FCC. Uh, that's Mike Cunane, who played in the Rattlesnakes, and HUAC, and a bunch of other bands, and Brian Cohen, who also played in the Rattlesnakes, and I think he was in Burke, uh, and Sean Ferranti, who was in Cuss. Um, they're, they're so good. <laughs> yeah, I saw them a couple of nights ago, and it's, uh, it's like, Medium loud. Uh, I, you know they've they've got two, a few different songwriters, so it's you can't you can't say it's all one way or the other. Like I, I'm tempted to say it's like sort of '90s Chicago-y, but it's not all the time. Uh, anyways, I just think they're fabulous. Uh, and then um, Fun Fun Rue, who I mentioned, that's uh, Cormac from Lemon Pitch. He's uh, it's, it's his band. And they're just getting better and better. I uh, caught the end of their set the other night at the bowling alley, and uh, it was just really good. It sounded so good. Their songs are getting good, and they're all like really top shelf players. Uh, and it was cool to see to see them all like really just open up. And uh, you know, Cormac just fucking tread. <laughs> it was cool to see him do that. So, uh, and then, you know, they're not, uh, not, Jay Lobley isn't doing anything in public anymore, but he's definitely the best songwriter that Portland has. He had this band Metal Feathers um, that, that put out uh, a bunch of albums. Handful of Fog uh, is the one that I really love. I, I don't know what I would do if I scratched that record. <laughs> you can't get another one. Um, yeah, he's wonderful. He was in Cult Maze before that and extended a ride a long time back. Uh, but yeah, he is, he's the absolute best at it. Um, and then, uh, oh, Tyler from Foam Castles. I really love that band. He's got a new one called something like Golden Rules the Thumb, sort of a, a mouthful. Um, yeah, I haven't seen that new band yet, but Foam Castles was great. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, you're very knowledgeable about you know, other uh, musicians in the area. Do you want to have a beer, by the way? Sure. Yeah. We have more beer. So, you know, in terms of describing the Portland, you know, music community, it sounds, at least the way you're describing it, it sounds like it's, it's kind of a, a well-connected community. Is that yeah, true? I mean, yeah, and there's like, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to a, a certain subset of, sure. of the music scene that's really important to me. Right. And and you know there are other there are other tightly knit subsets as well and uh, yeah but I mean I definitely it certainly feels like everybody knows everybody and uh, is it a supportive community yeah that you described okay great that's fantastic yeah and, and certainly at the at the level that that I'm playing at everyone is just excited to hear whoever's new band. 
That, that sounds great. I mean, that just really sounds very encouraging for yeah. anyone that's, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's good. And like, I've never been a, a very good player, and I probably won't ever be. Uh, but I'm a pretty good songwriter. I feel good about that. Uh, but like, I don't know where I'm going with that. Uh, I feel like even with sort of a, a limited technical skill set, there's uh, like I've been able to make space here and like really become involved with with the people in the bands. And, uh, yeah. And so, so someone from out of town that might be coming here for the first time, checking mm -hmm. out local music scenes. We've talked about some of the venues, mm -hmm. but you know, what would you encourage them to do to just kind of get the, the flavor of, of the music in the Portland scene? Um, I would say like go to a couple of different kinds of venues. Like you're gonna see a different uh, a different set of bands at like Empire yeah. or or Home than you would at Geno's. Um, I mean, it doesn't seem like anyone's really coming here to, to find out about bands. Everyone's coming here to find out about food, um, which is totally fine. I think it would be grotesque if, like, <laughs> if it was all about local music instead of local food. Um, well, I know local food is really seems to be the driver here in in Portland, at least. Yeah, yeah, and nothing against local food. Like, we've yeah. obviously got some. Unbelievable restaurants that yeah. are spoiled in that regard, great restaurants and, 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 yeah. and so forth. But we also have some great local bands that yeah. are try, try to encourage people to go out, myself sure. included, yeah. to go out and see. Uh, well, you know, I mean, the Ephodian always has their calendar online. Yeah. Um, and they always have very interesting shows. Yeah, oh, that's great. Uh, you know, in, in terms of like what makes Portland, a special place for musicians. How would you describe that? Well, well I mean, kind of all the stuff we've been talking about. Um, like there, there is sort of a, a, a deep history with the, the bands that have been happening. But I, I think people are still like really excited uh, with the scene about new, you know, new, new songs coming from new people. Yeah. So, I don't even know what we're listening to in the background. Uh, that's that's the yoga studio. Oh, that is the yoga studio. Yeah. It doesn't sound like they're doing yoga. No, they're, they think they do more dance and like uh, fitnessy stuff. I see. Yeah, I would just guess Celine Dion. Mm. I don't, I'm probably really wrong on that, but I think that just my, shows my lack of knowledge. Um, in, in terms of like the Portland music scene and trying to drive ahead if that is even the goal, what are some of the challenges that you'd say that the Portland music scene might face? In your mind, of course, you know, from your... Well, you know, we're a small city. Yeah. And, um... What, like 80,000, 100,000 people? Is that even... Yeah, it's smaller than that, I think. Yeah. Uh, and so, it's a, a very small set of people that go out to shows. Um, and, you know, I, I like that. I like to... I do like to, like, see the people at the shows and... Some, some of the same people throughout the years and, yeah. and some new people come in. Uh, but I think that it's just, I think we have more, by far, more bands than audience. Uh, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that's a limitation. Yeah. And Maine's always kind of been that last outpost. Yeah. You know, things go through New York and Boston before it hits Maine. I mean, yeah, yeah, just, it does. Yeah, yeah, if it does, right? Uh, and, and so, do you, do you think that that's kind of the challenge, or um, you're, you're thinking the, the population and just the extent to getting up here mm -hmm. uh, is probably not really as much of a pull to come up and check out explicitly local music and yeah. then say, oh, the food seems cool too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like that might be some of the challenge. I mean, it's also like it's hard. It's hard to know about it if you're not. Yeah. If you're not there and not going to shows, it's hard to know. What? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, aside from the music scene, what and, and the restaurant scene, what what would you describe as Portland makes Portland special? How you know what's special to you about Portland or the Portland area? Well, you know, I mean, I, I love all these sort of like janky old buildings, and uh, I love how you can walk around everywhere. Uh, and I think that the size of, of the town. Uh, is is super key in that it is small enough that it's easy to participate 
and large enough that it feels like we're going to participate, and it's small enough that you know you see, you sort of get familiar with people, um, you see people around, uh, and large enough that you keep getting an influx of new people. And uh, actually, I have a, a couple of people that I've been seeing around town since I moved to town, who I have purposefully never met, just so I have like one or two familiar people that I don't know, you know? Yeah. Portland does seem to have that such a small feeling that mm -hmm. like you get to know people who have been here for a little bit mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Yeah. It's really got that kind of small town feel with... Yeah, I mean just geographically, the, yeah. the peninsula is small. It's tiny. Yeah, it truly is. Yeah, kind of tiny. So if you're going to be down here, you're going to see those people. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you know, it's what I find interesting about Portland is that a lot of people are moving from outside of Maine to here. Mm -hmm. um, my last job, three, maybe four of my colleagues moved from outside of Portland to Portland, mm -hmm. specifically to live here and mm -hmm. find jobs here. It was not about, oh, I found a job and it's a cool place to live. It was kind of, this is a cool place to live and now I found a job. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm hoping that other areas really expand upon that as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have a family member that has a place up in Richmond, and we love going up there a lot. And um, you know, it's right on the lake; it's beautiful. But we always go to the A1 Diner and Gardner, mm -hmm. and the food's great. And we always, my wife and I, always joke around. This is the place that Portland people go to get out of Portland, you know. And, yeah. But Portland is the place that people from New York City go to get out of right. New York City, um, and so it's a pretty special place. Um, kind of, you know, wrapping it up and getting into to the music itself. So, mm -hmm. you know. Where can people get your music? Uh, where can they buy your music? Sure. Um, right now, uh, you can go to computeratc.com uh, to hear the Computer at C stuff, the electronic stuff. Um, and you could get, I have uh, way too many uh, uh, records still from that, so you can hit me up there if you, if you want one of those. Can um, they contact you through your website for that? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, it's just a Bandcamp page. Uh, but yeah, I thought I had sold almost all of them, and I found another box of a hundred. Oh, great! Well, it's not really nice. I got mad. Yeah, definitely. everybody that wants this record has it, you know, already. Well, um, I don't know. I mean, and that's that's a, that, that's also a limitation of of the size of, of the music scene here. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and that's hopefully the goal of everyone is to kind of expand people's you know yeah. awareness yeah. of what's out there. Um, and then you mentioned Santiki. Mm -hmm. uh, what was the date on that again? Uh, 823. 823? Yeah, with KG Freeze and I, I can't remember the other name. Great. Let's go see Lemon Pitch 823 yeah. at uh, Santiki. Um, yeah, man, this is, this is really cool. I mean, think with the, you know, the studio upstairs, probably a good time <laughs> to finish our beers <laughs> yeah, totally. and, and uh, shoot the ship. But no, seriously, thank you so yeah, much. Absolutely. I really Perfect. appreciate this. And uh, yeah, thanks for taking the time. Oh, 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 oh,